PM board bombs. Welcome back to EM Board Bombs. I am joined here with someone who needs no introductions, but I probably should make an introduction because they can't see you right now, Marlena. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm joined here by Dr. Marlena. She has the two doctors, MD, PhD. What was your area of research? Uh, Twitter. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, she was the first uh, PhD uh, while also, you know, getting her medical doctorate uh, to focus on Twitter. How, how did the thesis um, go? You know, you have to, like, defend your thesis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was that, did you just respond in tweets? I did. 120 character limitations to your uh, critiques is actually quite nice. Oh, that's awesome. That was before they expanded out, right? Yeah, I don't think any of my uh, mentors were paying for the subscription blue check, though. <laughs> All right, so we're... Uh, Marlene and I are here uh, at SAM in Austin, Texas. There you go. Austin, Texas. Last year, uh, you'll recall, uh, we were at New Orleans or in New Orleans at that time. Uh, it, was, it, it was a different vibe and a different feel than this. Yeah. Right? Uh, uh, what, what would you say are the big differences right now? Well, it's a lot less humid. I'll yep. say that for sure. That's true. That's um, true. You know, more uh, cowboy hats, more boots here. Right, right, right. Less alligators, more horses, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so we're going to be recording this episode here outside. It's uh, The weather's beautiful here. Uh, we've got the bird chirping. It's really nice. Um, you know, EM board bombs, as per usual, we like to drop... 10 to 15 minute episodes on high yield, just EM knowledge is what I'll say at this point, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we're gonna get into this. This is a topic that that we're gonna talk about that I, I really just don't like. Why I'm not? sorry, I, I just don't like orthopedic topics. You know, orthopedic topics in general, they just, I just find them a bit boring. Anyways, all right, we'll go. I, I need to. I need to get over it. I know it's like my own thing. Uh, I, I shouldn't be a prima donna about it, but let's just. Okay, you know what? We're gonna do it. All right, let's get into this uh, question stem. Marlena and I are in Texas recording a podcast, and we're setting up outside. We see an armadillo playing with its children in the courtyard at the SAM conference. We see a twenty-three-year-old male with a Joe Rogan T-shirt watching a Rogan YouTube video loudly on his phone. He doesn't see the armadillo and trips and breaks his fall with his wrist. He's in immediate pain. You have a good idea of what type of fracture he has. What is the most common adult wrist fracture? Hey, before we get into that, we got to plug emrapidbombs.supercast.com. Short, sweet, episodes three to five minute episodes high yield board knowledge anything you want to say on that work it into your day it's going to pay off there you go i think one of the things you told me that was interesting marlena is uh, when you were a resident i don't consider you a resident anymore because you're like you know pgy4 you know four status now so that's yeah. not right re- i mean you're like you know let's be honest <laughs> you're like an attending now right um but you were telling me how you would just repeat certain episodes too just to get everything just seared you know into your brain right yeah. so that's the amazing thing about emrapidbombs.supercast.com. You can find that podcast. It's, it's hosted on the Supercast website, and we've got plenty of links on our website and also the show, show notes uh, to describe that out. 
it's pretty cool too. We've got residencies listening to it now as well, uh, which is awesome. Um, so the most common adult wrist fracture is what? Is it A, Collie's fracture, B, a distal ulnar styloid fracture, a C, scaphoid fracture, or is it D, the Gallia Z? What is it? The ga- how, how do you pronounce this? Help me out here. Remember my ESL? Galiazzi? Gali- there you go. There you, know, you go. Like the dice game, the Yahtzee. Okay. All right. Look, not all of us had uh, linguistic professors as parents. Okay. <laughs> That's true. As uh, you know, the good uh, Dr. Kuhn's here. So I, I did not have that. Okay. All right. So um, correct answer is what, Marlena? The correct answer here was A, a Collie's fracture. Boom. Like yep. it. All right, so a Collie's fracture is a fracture of the distal radius with dorsal angulation and comminution. It's not an intraarticular fracture. You know, think about that dinner fork deformity that we've all seen so many times. That's one of the ones where you get the x-ray and even the tech is just coming up to you saying, yeah, it's probably fractured, isn't it? You know, that's the one where the tech will just tell the patient, let's see how bad that fracture is. Yep. Yep. So dorsal displacement there. It's the most common adult wrist fracture old lady foosh you know the uh, foosh I, I love when residents will say they got a they probably got a foosh fracture you know it's so great right i wonder if anyone accidentally says that to a patient and the patient's like what's wrong with my doctor right right what, what are you are you uh are you cursing at me like what's going on um so again hyperextended dorsally angulated wrist uh 75 of them are oftentimes associated with that ulnar styloid fracture. I feel like that ulnar styloid, if there's a wrist fracture, it is somehow affected at all times. Yeah, it's like yeah. a weak little chunk of the ulna. Right? And it, like, what is the point of that? I would love to ask uh, orthopedic doc about that. Like, I, like, have you ever done anything for just an ulnar styloid, you know? Just, just, just a little chip that's hanging out there? Or does it purely exists just to upcode billing? There you, oh, I like it. Okay, okay. Um, so common neurological compromise uh, can be the you know median nerve. It can result in palmar paresthesias. When it comes to the motor compromise, it's the thenar paralysis. So inability, that's when you do the oppose or abduct the thumb, right? So part of your good exam is going to be having them do the, you know, opposition and ab, you know, duction of the thumb. Don't forget to look for other associated injuries with this that's important uh, especially with the type of mechanism that it's you know that it has and then the disposition for this one is going to be just close reduction and splinting you you know don't need to get orthopedic to emergently come to your ER for this uh, nothing like that actually very rarely do you need orthopedic surgery to ever emergently come to your ER for anything but we won't get into that <laughs> uh, it's usually just pain management but outpatient orthopedic follow-up is important um, for these, you know, you can consider things like uh, hematoma blocks, other things to kind of reduce it. Um, that can oftentimes be pretty helpful, but it is important to get uh, some solid reduction going on with this. I once asked a orthopedic surgeon, what type of reduction is better, you know, like is appropriate, this type of fracture? And the response was, better than it was. <laughs> <laughs> What a great, what a great response. I know, it was better, I'm like, okay. (laughs) I can accept that. Right. It is a really satisfying reduction though when you feel that kind of plop back into place. Yep, yep. It can be be quite nice. Yeah, and the good news is if you get really good, you know, uh, reduction of this, uh, you know, again, you're you're getting some of those post-reduction films, sometimes they don't even have to be managed uh, from an operative standpoint. Yeah. Uh, radiology gave me a very rare compliment, I feel, because one time I got a post-reduction film and literally the comment said, very good reduction achieved. 
on post-reduction film. I was like, what? You used the word very and you used the word like good? Like what is going on here? I'm like, I don't know if it was like the time of night or maybe they didn't have like enough coffee going or maybe it was just, you know, it was very odd. I would But they gave that. a compliment. And I should have. You know, this was actually when I was a resident too. I didn't think about that. Uh, as being a resident, as self-loathing as we all are as residents, I just thought, oh, that's, that's really nice. And I moved and on. And it's never happened since. <laughs> never happened since. But look, we've got a lot of other types of fractures that we're just going to knock out here. Um, Marlena, get into it. Yeah, lots of eponyms here. You know how surgeons like to name things after themselves. So the Smith fracture is a re like a reverse Collie's fracture. So it has a quote-unquote garden spade deformity. Yeah. Or if you just flip your dinner fork upside down, that's the same thing <laughs> too. Um, that can occur with di a direct blow to the dorsum of the hand in addition to a foosh injury. On the x-ray, you see like a volar displacement, you might have some angulation there. Those are usually unstable and are gonna need ORIF, but not emergently. Then there's a- I, I have just a comment on the ORIF thing. I once had a, uh, <laughs> when I was in residency, I remember uh, one of my co-residents told a trauma uh, surgeon, they said, um, yeah, I think that patient's ORIF is infected, <laughs> you know? And the trauma surgeon just looked at him deadpan, knew exactly what I was like. Uh, can you tell me what an ORIF is? Oh, God. <laughs> it's one of those things that he'd probably read so many times, and right? the first time you say it out loud. It's just like ORIF. I, I'll never forget that in my life. And the look on the surgeon's face, a look of disgust, actually, on the surgeon's face for not appropriately pronouncing something the right way. I've definitely been the med student on the other side of that yeah. when it came to a cabbage. Yeah. We're like halfway through the day of our first cards lecture. So it's been like three hours yeah. of me hearing the word cabbage. And I finally just raised my hand and was like, what is ca cabbage other than <laughs> a vegetable? Uh, what type of cabbage are we speaking of? <laughs> I was so confused. That's awesome. Anyways, continue. Um, so, okay, so the next eponym fracture is a Barton fracture. Mm. Um, it's the same as a Collies or a Smith, except it, this is when it's actually intra-articular. So it can be dorsal or volar. The volar ones are more common and due to a fall on a hand or wrist that's supinated. So a little more of like a not really catching yourself, kind of like a weird foosh. Mm. Um, those are usually pretty unstable. You'll have dislocation of your carpal bones. They're difficult to reduce and are also going to need some orif. 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 Um, then the, the last one is the chauffeur fracture, which is a radial styloid avulsion. It actually happens when the scaphoid like compresses against the radial styloid and you have that little avulsion and you'll usually also have like intercarpal ligament injuries. Those need to be immobilized and actually need urgent orthopedic evaluation because they also need surgical management. Um, I think an interesting fact about these is that the historically they're named after drivers who had to start the cars with the hand crank and mm. when the car would backfire the crank would like 
forcefully hit them on the back of the wrist. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, that I, is really interesting. Didn't that happen to your butler one time? Yeah, yeah. Don't I took care of him though. Uh, you know, it, there were no issues. I made sure he got into the yard ER just fine. Uh, you know, I do like to drive. Uh, other than the EV, I like to drive. You know, a horse and buggy type situation oh, yeah. too. Sometimes, so I'm pretty old school. Yes. You know what a a, a German Texan's favorite car is? What? Audi. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, man. Okay, why? I have to use that. <laughs> you want to tell us what uh, kind of splint you use for all of these? Uh, yeah, you know, it's um, it's not rocket science here, folks. It's called a sugar tong. All right, easy to remember. Uh, it's always important when you are putting them in that sugar tong splint uh, to document a thorough neurovascular exam prior to and after reduction. You just want to make sure that wrist is immobilized. And again, you know, when you're doing that splint, you just want to make sure that the plaster or whatever material you're using uh, isn't going to be getting on the skin nice and soft. Uh, that's important. The last thing you need is a patient coming back five hours later uh, complaining of an abrasion now from the great reduction that you did. All right. Pete's focus here. I, it's too bad Blake's not here. I know he loves talking about pediatric stuff, so this is <laughs> dedicated to you, Dr. Briggs. Hey, uh, shout out to you, Dr. Briggs. Even though you chose not to come to the conference and join us this year, Marlena and I, we're going strong though, right? Yeah, we did. We ate extra breakfast for you. There you go. Uh, we thought about you. Mm -hmm. We made fun of you like mm -hmm. we usually do. Classic. Yeah. Classic. All right, sorry, continue. <laughs> so, Peds fracture that's common at the distal radius is a torus or a buckle fracture. It's usually in kids under 10. You can actually sometimes palpate like a painful ridge where that buckling of the cortex is, but you'll see it on the x-ray, mostly at the metaphysis. Um, great thing here is unlike other torus fractures that have to be sent to ortho you can actually just splint this and have them see their pcp in two to three Love it. to four weeks yeah. look at that so other uh foosh fractures also include uh we'll get into the perilunate dislocation ah this is oof. Mm -hmm. so tenderness over the carpal bones and you have that dorsal wrist fullness uh you know again significant ligamentous injury here it's high risk for developing a median nerve compression, avascular necrosis, even things like compartment syndrome. Now, again, we're gonna get into the ones that ortho needs to see. This is the one that ortho is gonna need to see or your hand yeah. surgery team is gonna need to manage that perilunate dislocation in the ED setting. Uh, you need to get them on board or even transfer them out you know, for that. Exactly, you don't want the long-term disability. That's the same for the lunate fracture. Um, that's the one we talk about. You see the spilled teacup on the lateral x-ray. Uh, normally you should see the lunate overlap with the capitate, kind of like the piece of pie on the AP view, but when you have this lunate dislocation, you'll see the spilled teacup and you'll feel fullness in the volar side of the risks. It has all the same risks as the perilunate dislocation, so you gotta have ortho see them as well, your hand surgeon. You know, the more we're doing this, the more I realize we just need like a two-pager handout on this as well. So yeah. I think that's something that we're gonna work on uh, getting out to everyone. So just make sure you subscribe to our newsletter on our website. But we'll get a two-pager out that summarizes this as well. Uh, the next one is the one that I, I feel like we disproportionately are taught about scaphoid fractures. Yes. Right? Like, I, I, I remember being taught about a scaphoid fracture. I feel like the first day I walked into med school. You yeah. Know, it was just like an, an anatomy class. It was immediately like, 
uh, this is a scaphoid, you know, this is the snuff box, right? And that's that dorsal radial wrist pain with decreased range of motion. This is where you get that snuff box tenderness. The splint here is what's key. This is what Tess love to ask about, right? It needs a thumb spike, a splint. What's the interesting thing about scaphoid and a way you might be tested on it? The x-ray might be negative, but if they have pain over the scaphoid area and a mechanism that's pretty consistent, like an outstretched hand fall, you need to go ahead and put them in a thumb spike a splint no matter what. Even if the imaging doesn't show you anything, they can follow up in the outpatient setting uh, you know, with orthopedics as well. There's been a, a, some literature to even suggest that these folks should get a CT of their wrist oh, wow. in the ED setting because it can actually, you know, the quicker you make that diagnosis, the faster they can get back to work um, and whatnot. But again, I think that's not necessarily ready for prime time, uh, but that is something on the horizon. There have been some studies on that. Uh, because again, with a scaphoid fracture, you can have significant long-term disability uh, due to the the fact that the scaphoid bone itself isn't really very you know vascular and, and doesn't heal as well as you'd like. And then, lastly, on the other side of the radius, you have the radial head. You can also get an isolated radial head fracture with a Fouche injury. Those actually can be occult on X-ray a lot of times. And in adults, you may just see the anterior fat pad sign, which... Sorry about that audio. <laughs> I mean, that's like quite aggressive. It's Texas. It's Texas, you, you know, know, and just, I'm pretty sure that's a lifted truck that we're hearing Probably. right now, right? With uh, just a bunch of a uh, diesel blown out the back. So, the yeah. farm vehicle. The farm vehicle. But go ahead on <laughs> um, the isolated radial yeah, fracture. So yeah, so you can see an anterior fat pad sign, which is like a sail sign. And in kids, that's your, your um, supracondylar fracture. But in adults, if you can see the anterior or the posterior fat pad in the elbow, you need to be concerned for an occult radial head fracture. Okay, and we have an older episode on the... Oh, man, I don't want to pronounce this. You know, those Italian guys and their fractures. I know. The Galeazzi. There you go. And... Montasia? Okay, I'm, again, ling linguistic professor genes is what you got. So I'm going with what you got. I had All an right. Italian grandmother. I'm going to give her the credit for that. There you go. There you go. So we have an older episode from almost, oh my gosh, 2020? How long have we been doing this, Marley? We're getting old. Yeah, that was the year I graduated. This is a pre-pandemic episode, I think. Gosh, were you even in med school at that time? Uh, no, I was uh, actually a, just a young child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, good times. All right, well, that wraps it up for us here at SAM in Austin. We are outside enjoying the weather, watching some armadillos playing, and uh, hearing the birds cackle and seeing lifted trucks just making lots of noise and going by. And we have proof. We have audio proof of we that. We do. We're not making that up. We have a pretty high Texas listenership here, all right? You gotta maintain that rep. That's what you gotta be careful. You know, New Orleans, we can say whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but as always, check out EM Rapid Bombs. It's hosted on Supercast, so it's emrapidbombs.supercast.com. Check it out. Uh, it's a great quick question bank of three to five minute long episodes where you'll get high yield, just general learning. Uh, you can be a from a med student to a resident to a senior attending and get something out of it. Over 350 questions there now. We drop a couple episodes every week there. And once you sign up, you get an email delivered from Marlena herself uh, right. three times a week that gives you high yield pearls as well. So you can just be the pearl wizard. You must, after writing all that stuff, you must, residents must just like come to you and be like, I need a high yield pearl, Marlena. Can you give it to me? 
Oh yeah, I just yeah. regurgitate those. Like right? I got straight up pearl gird. I know, right? I would love. I mean, you could probably just go ahead and make the ITE exam at this point. I, I would feel with all the uh, pearls <laughs> that you've like come up with for those newsletters. But, anyways, we are out. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye.